You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Why are you shrouded in something white, Mickey? Bob, I've discovered that you are a guru. Oh, that's you're, true. You're my guru. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm available for everyone, Mickey. Yeah, but, I was uh, the podcast decoding the gurus did a whole episode on me. They decoded me. So I've um, I've sold all my worldly possessions, and I'm going to follow you into the truth. And uh, if you notice, I've I've applied the the ashes on oh, my head. Ashes on the forehead. I was just about to say, but do you they, have the ashes on the forehead? And you're there. And 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 they're in the they're they're the mark of W. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the best I could do. Yeah, that's and, a, uh, I can see it. Yeah. And um, I do have the votive candles. But Good. Good. The, the votive candles are, are you know, they're not. <laughs> that's nice. You got a lot of them. They, a little they, bit of a fire it, hazard it, there. It, it's hard. It's hard for me to get them in the frame. Without, no, that was impressive. Without a huge fire hazard. But now, um, you said you sold all your possessions, but uh, unless I'm mistaken, uh, Mickey, the proceeds have not been deposited in my guru bank account. What did you do well, with the money? Well, Bob, I'm, the fucking I'm, money? I'm going through a crisis of conscience because, and I am confused, and I, I look forward to you explaining to me, oh, master, uh, the truth. Because last week, master, you said, Russian troops wouldn't go into Kiev and you didn't think that uh, that Putin wanted to decapitate the Russian government, the, the Ukrainian government, and yet that seems exactly what he's doing. Uh, so explain to me, Guru, how, uh, how to reconcile these thoughts. Well, first of all, asking critical questions of the Guru is not a sign of spiritual growth, okay? So maybe you should redirect this discourse in, in, in a way that would be more suggestive that you're making progress. I'm going to give you a uh, second chance. Say something else. Um, uh, how, um, how could you have been so wrong? That wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> um, well, okay, uh, wait, now wait, now wait. What I said, you're about to have an apostate here. Uh, what I'm losing, I, I'm losing my innocence. I'm losing my, what I said faith, was, uh, I didn't think Russian troops would, that he would try to occupy Kiev. He hasn't tried to do that yet. They're not there yet. As we record now, I'm not saying that in general, I haven't revised my thinking. I think, uh, you know, lots of people are surprised by the magnitude of the invasion and the nature of it. The only people who aren't are the people who are just going on Biden's intelligence reports. That's what they were suggesting. But if you look at what all the experts were saying a month ago, you know, most people were suggesting something a little shy of this. Not not everybody. Who's that uh, Colonel McGregor guy you sent me a, a, a post from? I, I had heard him a month ago saying, you know, he might take everything up to the Dnieper River South of Kiev, even including Odessa, well, he, even he was a little shy uh, because he now has Kiev just about surrounded, I guess. Um, but it will, we'll, we'll, we'll see what exactly he tries. Um, uh, just, I, just for the record, the headline on Blogging Heads from two weeks ago was Bob, I don't see Putin doing regime change in Ukraine. Yeah, well, I think now uh, he definitely wants regi regime change. I, wh what I said was, I don't see how he does coherent regime change. You can destabilize a regime, you can right. sow chaos, but oh. but you put your guy in in a well, way is, that works. Um, I don't. I I, I still don't this, see exactly how he does that. How that works in the right. long run. But. This is the great question because he he has one hundred fifty thousand troops, which is not enough to permanently occupy Ukraine. So. Right. So he so he kills Zelensky and appoints, you know, a mini me as as head of Ukraine, and and leaves unless he leaves and triples the number of troops there. That guy is not as Fred Kaplan said in Slade. That guy is not going to be able to rule the country. So, what does he what does he hope to accomplish? It, 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 
I don't quite understand it either. Well, you can imagine uh, him trying to, I mean, first of all, right now, there is the distinct possibility that they will stop and talk this thing over. You know, uh, interestingly, I think it was China that said Russia is open to talks or something. There's some well, confusion over. Uh, and Zelensky said he was willing to talk about being a neutral country. Right, right. Which is very, very encouraging. Uh which we, and, some of us were saying, uh, you know, Biden should have offered well to begin with. That's beyond not joining NATO. That's being Finland. Well, it's not that different from just not. It's a. It, it's it's not that different. The implications are. I mean, the the. I guess the additional, in a way, well, it, it's kind of tantamount to that. I mean, neutralization means you're not going to be part of our alliance. You're not going to be part of their alliance. But in any event, it does involve. Uh, agreeing that Ukraine would never enter NATO. And so far as I can tell, we had not been willing to offer that before. The um, So, yeah, uh, I can imagine. And, and look, this will be a real, I mean, the other thing, I mean, look, there's, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, one of the, one of the horrible things about one of the horrible things about human nature and yourself, you discover in situations like this is like, there's this war going on. And, you know, people are dying and you find yourself asking, wait, is this going to, is this going to, am I going to turn out to be wrong? That'll be embarrassing. I mean, there are people dying. That's more important, right? In theory, but you do find yourself asking that question. I mean, happily in this case, wanting not to be wrong is right. probably wanting the best thing for all the people here. But anyway, there's two fronts on which I may have some explaining to do. Uh, one is, you know, I wrote a piece for the Non-Zero Newsletter Monday and part of it was arguing that Putin's not crazy. And I was writing it and posting it just as he was delivering that speech on Monday that everybody said where he sounded crazy. Um, Although I'm not completely sure it was as crazy as, I mean, the our press highlighted the crazy parts. Yeah, but I will say this, you know, I taped the, the this week's Tuesday edition of The Right Show is me talking to our friend Nikita Petrov, who is right. in St. Petersburg. And right. Nikita said, he said, look, well, two relevant things. He said, you know, I'm worried. This is this is a lot of us feel this is kind of scary the way he sounded. Uh, and he said, look, a few weeks ago, I was saying no way he's going to try to occupy Kiev. It would be crazy. Now I'm not so sure. Those, so those are that's Nikita's read well, on, on the speech. He, and, you know, when you're trying to decide whether to trust a guy named Nikita and a guy named Bob in interpreting Vladimir Putin, I say go with he, a guy named Nikita. Well, but you don't know. I, well, I, I, my question was, was, is Nikita free to say everything he, th he, he thinks? But since that was an yeah. anti-Putin interpretation, uh, absolutely. I guess, a fortiori, uh, it was credible. Yeah, no, I um, asked him in advance, it, if you don't feel free to speak, we shouldn't do this. And he okay. clearly felt, well, I, I'm not saying he was taking no risks whatsoever. He was, maybe he was being courageous, but he was clearly being honest and he was worried. If I remember, he, he they, they'd have to find him, right? He broadcasts from a field somewhere in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, which is a lot of territory to cover. He, he's um, no longer there, but you you do remember those days, yes. Um, uh, so I thought Putin, I thought Putin's speech was he said two things that seemed rang true to me. It was crazy, but it, it, two things rang true. One is that, and I think Nikita uh, Nikita made this point too: is he sees Ukraine as a colony of the U.S. and the West. Not, uh, and that, that's how they view it. And they're taking our orders. And it's not just that Victoria Newland baked them cookies and selected their prime minister. It's just a sort of they take all our orders. Um, and the second thing is that eventually they will have nukes. Uh, and that's a tr that's troubling to him the same way yeah. Cuba having nukes would be troubling to us. So that seemed non-crazy. No, he believes all, that. All I mean, look, when you look at it from his point of view, and again, folks, disclaimer, uh, to look at it from his point of view is not to say he's not to blame. He's clearly the one who, he's the criminal. He violated international law, he invaded a country. Um, but the uh, in terms of illuminating why he might have done uh, what he did, I mean, you're right. So first of all, there's the 2014 revolution in Ukraine, which he sees as a U.S.-backed coup. And look, it's that's not a completely crazy perception given some evidence he has about uh, our role in selecting the prime minister who took over after the president, uh, the pro-Russian president was chased out of Ukraine. Um, well, it was a it was a coup. It did not 
Yeah, it was a non-democratic transfer of power. The, the yeah. U.S. media depicts it as an expression, a democrat, an expression of democratic sentiment. It was an expression of the sentiment of protesters in the more, you know, the less uh, Russophilic part of Ukraine in Kiev. You know, um, that's it, what it was. It, it assumes that you can't assume that the people in the Maidan were a majority of the country. No, yeah. you can't. Now, as it happens, two thirds of the country is native Ukrainian speakers. So it, it may well have had majority support, but it was a non-democratic transfer of power. The U.S. was involved and he sees that as U.S. backed coup. And then kind of since then, and here we get into resistance territory and the effect that the resistance had on Trump, Trump wound up sending weapons to Ukraine. And so, you know, in, in Putin's mind, there's just a steady encroachment. NATO gets closer and closer to the borders. It's on the borders in some places. They start sending weapons into Ukraine now, even though it's not in NATO. And then, you know, just to give you a reminder of the kind of double-edged sword that weapons provision is, if you want to ask, like, why did he ask suddenly and do a big invasion? I have no idea. But I, I apparently the day of the invasion was the day that Stinger anti-aircraft missiles uh, you know, the I think they're shoulder fired, arrived in Ukraine from Latvia, a NATO member. I think they were sent at our request. I don't know if it was the first shipment, but but Ukraine does not have many uh, Stinger uh, missiles and they are a big deal. You can't be flying helicopters all over Ukraine if the population, you know, this is what did the Soviets in in Afghanistan right, is right. the Stingers. And, and, and so I'm just going to say like, from from Putin's point of view, it's like a steady encroachment. Uh, and he may be paranoid. He's certainly doing a hell of a lot of extrapolating to get all the way from stingers to nuclear weapons. Right. But there was a sense that if you're going to act, you better act now. My uh, my sense of the I mean, I, I, I was all worried, like, had we made the offer to, you know, to not let them into NATO and and, uh, you know, and if we didn't, why didn't? If we did make the offer, why not make it public? And, you know, and I was assured by people, oh, you know, we, we didn't make the offer, but Biden said, you know, they're not joining NATO anytime soon or something. That should be enough for Putin. I think it we're way beyond that, that, that because nobody thinks that Putin would have bought uh, just exclusion from NATO uh, the way he's acted. And now where he's invaded the country. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? Uh, am I wrong well, about that? We don't know he wouldn't have bought an absolute guarantee of, of no NATO membership ever. What he said was, they've talked to me about temporary, you know, suspension of considering uh, Ukraine for membership. That's not enough. I mean, remember, they feel that they were lied to about NATO expansion to begin with, that we made informal guarantees. And we did. We, we said things orally. And I, thought, and I thought there were things on paper also. I don't think there was anything formal. No. Uh, okay. But 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 the... Uh, but but there's no doubt that we said to the Soviets, yeah, this won't get past East Germany. And 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 he's like, you know, I can't trust you. I want it on paper. I want it in public. And that's why it was so naive of some people to say, well, maybe we could we could tell him, hey, look, we can't back down in public, but we're going to trust us. We're not going to ever let Ukraine right. into, into NATO. If Zelensky can be brought around to Finlandization now, why couldn't we have brought him around earlier and avoided the war? I suspect we could have. I don't think the Biden. Now, I, we don't know what they offered in, in in private. I've been told it was more than we know of. But I think we would have heard uh, if they had gone the whole nine yards. And and I, I mean, not that that's all he was asking for. But Lavrov had said things that made it clear that that was like one of the couple of big things like no more like no Ukraine, you know, maybe no Georgia. Who cares? But but also some some missile movement in in Europe and stuff, which I think we would have been open to, and uh, I don't think I don't think we offered them Ukraine. I I think we're I think we're in the minority now. I want to read you something from Euro Intelligence, which is a, a newsletter put out by a guy who's uh, I believe used to work for the Financial Times, uh, and this is from today's edition. Uh, yeah. As as Bertolt blah 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 writes in FAZ this morning, Vladimir Putin has destroyed several decades of German foreign policy consensus, including the foundational assumption that you have to understand Russia's position. In other words, a foundational assumption was what you call cognitive empathy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been the cross-party consensus in German politics that peace in Europe can only exist in cooperation with Russia, not in opposition to it. Even Schultz was clinging on to the notion until recently when he was still pushing for the Minsk process. Putin ended up deceiving those who wanted to build a bridge the most. Uh, And the new consensus is we were too nice to the Kremlin. Uh, So I I just think- Do you know what he means by too nice to the Kremlin? We refused to do what he wanted to do. I mean, we didn't- I think think too understanding. uh, Too too, too, uh, entender is too- uh, whatever it is. To forgive to, her, yes. To, yeah, to, to, to explain know, everything, to everything is to, to forgive all. To, to, be, to be, have too much cognitive empathy is to be have uh, too much sympathy. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, again, uh, you know, um, Amer- wise Americans have been noting for years that Russia would find NATO expansion deeply threatening. Most relevantly, I think, Bill Burns, who's now head of the CIA, said in 2008, the year that Bush, you know, guaranteed eventual NATO membership for Ukraine, Burns said, it isn't just Putin. Every Russian elite thinks Ukraine is a red line. But that's a different time frame, which I think we should talk about. But just in terms of the current negotiation, uh, it it just seems like we're losing the argument. You know, I I would like to have it on the record that we made the offer and he turned it down. Then I could then I could oppose him 100 percent instead of 90 percent. But, you know, but um, no. Well, I think. I mean, I think a lot of people are like rethinking Putin because he gives this crazy sounding speech. He he does this invasion that it's like, whoa, bombs are dropping everywhere. But I think the jury's out uh, in the sense that I, I, I think, look, they're, they're surrounding uh, Kiev even as we speak. Um, and things may have changed by the time this airs. And look, if he starts randomly shelling the city, I will have to rethink my view of Putin because I really, I, I don't know whether crazy is the word, that doesn't make sense to me. If on the other hand, at the other extreme, he he, he agrees to stop now and talk and, and he could get a form of regime change in the sense that, uh, you know, he, he could get Zelensky to maybe step down or who, who knows what he could get. But if he stops and talks, uh, then, you know, we'll see. I mean, remember the the, the you know, I think what shocked people was, oh, shit, he's doing all of Ukraine. Okay, but actually, the bombs fell all over Ukraine. The troops are still east of the Dnieper uh, River, with the exception, I assume, of Kiev Kiev itself, although it kind of straddles the river, I think, so I don't know where exactly they are, but um, but it's not like... He's blocked off the west, which is to the west of the Dnieper. Well, yeah, I mean, the troops are, by which you mean... He has has a whole bunch of troops to the west of Kiev which is east okay. west of the deeper. So then he's so. on the western side of Kiev, yeah. but I mean I mean he's he no he shows no signs of like trying to occupy all of Ukraine. Well what what if he captures or kills uh the president Zelensky? I mean the um uh the, the they were talking on the news that the the best correspondence I could find was ABC and they said look he knows whatever he has to do he has to do it quickly because his troops have poor morale. The body bags will start coming home. He can't like have a year-long war. So that implies some sort of surgical decapitation thing, which is what our intelligence is telling Biden, apparently. Or you stop and talk and then the fighting ceases. I mean, that that also- Or you decapitate and then you talk. (laughs) I mean- You know, but again- Targeted from a position of strength. But again, can he do coherent regime change that way? I, I, I don't- Again, I remain skeptical. I, I, I look. I'm not saying he won't do it, but if he does it, I will revise my view of uh, how clear a thinker he is these days. And there is this view, by the way. You know, when I it had been the consensus really among Putin watchers, haters, and 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 non-haters that look, he is. Uh, you know, he's never gotten too far over his skis. He is. Right. He is all. He's never overplayed his hand. He is, in a certain sense, actually risk-averse, however ironic it sounds, given some of the bold things he's done. That was the consensus as of a year or two ago. There had been these murmurings that COVID, you know, he isolated himself and he's showing more and more signs of being, of having, you know, fewer and fewer confidants and saying crazy stuff. There is this view that uh, he's changed. Well, he, he, he could do things in Kiev that would convince me 
that that's the case. He hasn't quite done them yet, although I got to say he's at least a little less risk averse than I had thought just by virtue of what he's done so far. Would you send arms to Zelensky? He seems a very appealing character. Hard, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard I, not to be I always send him. arms to appealing characters. Um, oh, I, but, I mean, yeah. It's uh, a serious question. Um, I don't know. You, you hear both sides of this. I mean, my my gut, you know, is like, yeah, I want to make Putin suffer. Um, What's the I, other side? I haven't heard the other side. Oh, the other side is, well, Afghanistan. It's like we, we sent arms to Afghanistan and uh, and look at Afghanistan decades later. You know, we, that led to the creation of the Taliban that, you know, or Syria. We funneled arms into Syria, the resistance. You know, there's a, it's a pretty bad track record of funneling like big arms in. I mean, the other thing I'd say is, I doubt you need that for for a resistance to be untenable for Putin. I mean, I just don't the oh. the, Rus the Russian people aren't really behind this in a deep and broad based way. And, tr and just try to imagine how do you do an occupation of Kiev that works? I even if you assume that all the people have is a bunch of rifles and pistols and Molotov cocktails, and they do have somewhat more than that, but but assume you only have that. How exactly, I mean, think about the mechanics of a resistance. If, if, if you're not going to have your soldiers walking around the streets, and if you do, right. some of them are going to get shot, then, then they're going to stay in their tanks and their armored personnel carriers. And if they stay there, it's not hard to throw Molotov cocktails at them. And, they're, and they're, they're, presumably if the Iraqis can master the art of the IED, the Ukrainians can too. All reports uh, so, are that they're uh, a spunky people. Uh, but uh, so, but uh, but you know, even even with conventional arms, eventually you need more bullets and more guns, and uh, you know, and and so yeah. But to it, cut it, that off, you need a pervasive occupation to cut that kind of thing off. Well, this is this. Is my, I have a three part plan, which is I would give them arms. I would keep diplomacy open. And I would move to the countryside because there's a non-trivial chance of nuclear war. Because what happens when the arms start flowing in from the border, right, to, to Zelensky? If there's a resistance, it's supposed he doesn't, Putin doesn't win it in the next two weeks. There's a resistance, arms flow from NATO countries, not from us, but NATO countries on Ukraine's border. And Putin tries to stamp that out the way Nixon tried to stamp out the incursions from Cambodia. Mm -hmm. Then he's in a confrontation with a NATO country. Mm -hmm. Then Article 5 comes into play, and then we might well have a war with Russia. Plus, if he's cornered, if it looks like he's about to be humiliated, are we sure he won't resort to nuclear weapons? Uh, I'm not. Well, uh, I the think, Russians have never been as religious, I don't think, about first use as we have. Oh, I think you'd have with to... Battle, with battlefield nukes, certainly. And he, so it, it could be a disaster. I think he'd have to have crossed the line to true insanity at that point. And I think there are real questions about whether he could get that order carried out. I mean, remember, he, he's not, you know, he, he's got to, he can't push the button himself. He's got to go through, through generals and so on. And these people talk among themselves. You know, it's like when Nixon was, was looking like he was going crazy and they had to talk among themselves. Right. Um, and these things happen. These, Russia is not full of crazy people. But the other... The other possible scenario, apparently he gave a talk to businessmen and one of the head of the business, whatever the chamber, the local chamber of commerce for the nation, talked back to him and said, are you like, are you sure this isn't going to hurt us? You know, which was sort of unusual. Yeah. Well, there's it's a also possible. It's also possible he could lose power. Well, I mean, the other even short of that, I think that could happen eventually if he gets, you know, drawn into some kind of real quagmire here or starts and or starts seeming crazy he could lose uh power but uh i mean that that's you know a long shot hope but i i think in terms of uh his deciding like do i go into kiev or do i stop and talk he may be already paying attention to some of the domestic costs of a continued presence there i i the anti-war demonstrations may have surprised him there are russian celebrities courageously online uh, sending anti-war messages, you know, popular Russian celebrities. And he may not have expected this and he may start wondering himself how long he can sustain this politically. There, there are also reports which are probably one-sided and might be propaganda 
that the Russian troops are not showing a whole lot of enthusiasm for this. Uh, I, I don't know who to trust. I mean, look, they have overwhelming power. They already control the skies, I think. And and, and that means- No, that, they like, don't, according to, the, according to the news reports. They don't control, I mean, they lost one- They, don't, they lost they one don't fire. Have, they don't have air, complete dominance of this airspace. Okay, well, if they don't, means. they will. If they don't, they will. I mean, and, you know, once they do, you can't do things readily like, hey, let's move a bunch of these, uh, you know, these, these anti-tank weapons from this part of the country to that. That becomes a lot harder if the enemy completely controls the skies, just, just repositioning supplies and weapons. So I, I think, I think I, it comes down to resistance. But it is your, but it is your point about them not le- wanting to leave their armored personnel carriers is relevant because if they're gung-ho, they leave their armored personnel carriers, and there were reports that they weren't doing that in the early fighting. Uh, they oh, were, you mean they, on the outskirts of? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. what I was that, doing. I mean, it could be propaganda. It could be complete bullshit. I mean, I was imagining an urban presence, and and just yeah. like you know, try to imagine how do you control a city? You can't control it in a fine grained way if you don't get out of those things, and if you got out of them, and everybody's got a rifle. You're, you, you know, back. you got to be worried about every window. Yeah, it's 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 Iraq all over again. Where they're the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't. I know I don't know how many people have rifles and so on, but um, you know, it's. I think I will begin revising my view of Putin in a significant way if he tries to go in and actually occupy Kiev. I mean, okay. stay there for for you know but, a sustained period of time. But you have you you haven't answered the do we arm them question, and I don't see who the Taliban is. At the the worst, we're we're giving arms to a bunch of anti semite fascists. Okay, we can deal with them. <laughs> How bad can that okay? get? It's not like history. Bad- it's not like history warns. <laughs> no, but it's not like uh, it's not like the, the Taliban who have a you know a claim to a, a vast the sympathies of a huge Muslim world that's giving us uh, giving us a whole lot of. Trouble. Yeah. It's, they will be they will be local Ukrainian assholes, and most of them I suspect aren't assholes. So why not give them arms? Yeah, um, you know I just haven't thought it through. I if I did it, I would be care- very careful about uh, what kind of arms and so on. Again, I don't I don't think it takes that much to make this untenable for an occupation untenable for him if that's what he tries. Uh, there are various things he can try, but I don't think it takes that much. The other thing is like, has he tried this in a modern kind of social media environment, modern media environment where everything is recorded on on cell phone and sent all over the internet? I mean, uh, you know, um, Crimea was a cakewalk because the population was so supportive. Uh, the Donbass, he kind of managed to pretend that there weren't actually Russian soldiers there. So, but these are soldiers in uniform and there's a lot of smartphones in the world, and I just don't, I just don't know if he's really thought this through. The, the, the one, the one interchange that's got a lot of publicity is this Russian soldier confronting an old woman. At you know, and, oh, and, she says, and, and she's, "What the fuck are you doing here?" And, and he's, he's, you have to. You, the guy handled it really well. You have to have sympathy with the guy. He said, "Now, now, now, you're not going. It's not going to go any easier if you have that attitude." <laughs> Wait, is she the one who said, uh, uh, I'm going to put sunflower seeds in your pocket so yes. that when you die, yes. sunflowers will grow? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh. I, want, hey, but he, I want her as my bodyguard. But I want him as my crisis manager. I mean, he said, look, this is going to go easier. If, yeah. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just doing my job. Don't, don't yeah. give me shit. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I have one criticism of the way, I mean, I... I don't feel especially hostile to the way Biden has handled this. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. It depends on a lot on what was said in private, and we don't know what was said in private. But uh, since he's not going to put troops on the ground, and 80% of the country wants the country armed, even the Ann Applebaum all the way, you know, to the to half of the non-interventionist, you know, people want uh, would also do that. There's not there's, he didn't have the leeway to fuck up. I mean, he basically had. It was a narrow lane. But um, I do think putting it all on sovereignty, saying he's invited, invaded a sovereign country, has no purchase with the average voter. Sovereignty 
is is a, is an abstract lawyer's concept. And you know, it it, 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 the voters are right. It is a, it is a collection of rights that we net normally attribute to countries, but they don't have to all go together. You can have half sovereignty. You can have sovereignty over everything except your foreign policy. You can be Finlandized. It's like like many legal terms in law school. You're taught to unpack it into the twenty rights that actually comprise sovereignty. Much better to say to say their right to self determination and have the country they want. Uh, that actually means something to people, uh, and so so this this lawyer talk of they've violated they violated international norms of sovereignty that doesn't get Biden any uh, any votes at all. Um, yeah, I don't. It's a, I, I don't know what the political consequences for him are. The I mean, as for sovereignty, I care about it a lot because that's a, a bedrock principle of international law. From my point of view. Uh, one one of the worst things he's done is violate international law by invading a country and violating its sovereignty. That that for me is bad. Uh, now I I know that's not your question. I, I'm not the voter you have in mind. Um, I, I I just mean getting support. I don't mean like who's going to win the election. I mean will his policy be supported? And you know he doesn't have all the country now. You know even the people. Well, nobody thinks it's all that important. But even the, when they think about it, do people support? Biden's policy, there's a whole chunk of people who don't. Well, wh- which policy? It's not like he's sending troops. Even if he sends arms, I don't think Americans think about that. Well, How many Americans arms. know we sent arms to Syria? Well, How good. many of them even know? Well, good. So we so we can we can send them arms and let them fight their guerrilla war and while we go on about our, about our business. That's the I, ideal solution. I certainly don't think he pays a big political cost for, for that. Uh, and, no, I just and, think and, and of course he'll get He'll be rewarded by the blob and all the MSNBC, you know, talking well, heads. The, pro- the problem is he's talking to the blob and he's not talking to the people. If he's talking to the people, he would not use the word sovereignty. I don't think. I don't like when the right uses it easier. The right always saying, you know, the UN invades our sovereignty. What the fuck does that mean? Why can't we give a little piece of our sovereignty to the UN? What's the, you know? I mean, well, you can you can voluntarily uh, give up sovereignty. That's what a treaty does in a certain sense. But uh, when somebody invades you, that's that's different. Um, right, but, why, but anyway, it's, I, you get the, my point. Yeah, I mean, I agree he's been too responsive to the blob. I think maybe had he not been, he would have uh, he would have seriously negotiated to begin with. And I'd like to hear all of the people who di- explicitly did not want to do that. Michael McFall, don't make the concessions. Okay, well, would you care to rethink that now that you've seen, and, and what would have been lost? Maybe it wouldn't have been enough, okay? But it might have worked. Would that be a better place? Because listen, argue- let me continue. Whatever can, if he gets the concession now that we could have given him before he invaded, we are giving a reward for invasion, okay? As opposed to rewarding him for just amassing troops on a border. That's different. We are rewarding an, an actual violation of international law if, if, we, uh, if we make Ukraine neutral now. And that is a consequence of the Michael McFalls of the world and all the other blobheads who uh, I just, I completely cannot comprehend what goes on in their brains. But the, the argument, I guess the argument, the argument that was made to me when I said, why not make this public is, well, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be you know, stabbing our Ukrainian friends, would be undermining our Ukrainian friends, but we're not, they're 100% allies. We're allowed to be a little bit of a middleman, I would think. Uh and if I like, and, and, and you know, exactly parallel to what you just said, if which we talked about, if Zelensky comes around now, why couldn't he have come around two months ago before right. his country was invaded? Right. And again, we pay a much higher price for making um, the same concession now. And speaking of the abuse of the term sovereignty, all this shit about how, well, if we don't let them in, into NATO, we're not respecting their sovereignty. That's 100% bullshit. NATO doesn't have, you don't have a sovereign right to join any association. The association can, ex- associations can exclude people. International alliances can exclude countries. You know. Uh, I agree. That's that's a complete bullshit. Um, now, you want to hear, uh, you want to hear the resistance blamed? I'll just read you a quick tweet from Max Abrams. He's, he doesn't mention resistance, but he, the tweet is, Putin underestimated the effect of Russia Gate on his Ukraine plans. He thought the West would care about as much as in 2014. He could then score some concessions without war. 
but Biden was in no mind to bargain and neither was Europe. So Putin went ahead with the costly war for Russia. I don't think it's crazy to say that Russiagate- uh, Meaning by Russia? What do you mean by Russiagate? I mean, the way the resistance handled Russiagate and, right. and, and depicted uh, Trump as a, as a Russian stooge. Right. That was used by hawkish blobsters, especially including neocons, to turn progressives more anti-Russian than they had been, okay? So Trump was the bad guy, and he was in league with the Russians, so the Russians are horrible. And, right, okay. and that helped set the climate in which this happened. I think there's really something to that. And of course, we now know that Russiagate, uh, we are still looking in vain for the smoking gun, and more and more it looks like uh, it was cooked up by Hillary Clinton's friends. Um, I, I agree. I th I, I've been shocked at the level of antipathy to to Russia on the left on Twitter. It's 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 replaced. He's replaced Joe Rogan as a hate figure. I never <laughs> thought that would happen. I mean, it, 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 it's I guess it's more constructive to hate Putin than to hate Joe Rogan. But it's like the left. Uh, I, I I hew to my theory. The left has to have something to focus its ire on because the mm -hmm. Biden presidency is going badly. So they can't. They can't, they can't talk about the Biden presidency. They don't want to talk about it. It has to be somebody like Rogan or Putin or somebody who's outside the Biden presidency, and, and, and now they have it. And I do think, I do think uh, Colt and Coulter is right to say that this helps Biden and that it changes the subject. His presidency was going terribly. Uh, you know, his, his, his initiatives were bogged down. Uh, and now, instead of talking about the border and the failure of Build Back Better and inflation, we're talking about the war in which he's got a rate better than he does on inflation on the border. So uh, it, it's the David Shore point, change the subject. He changes the subject. Um, yeah, also I think, uh, you know, progressives in the, uh, progressive talking heads in the blob will, d depending on how this turns out, could wind up trying to uh, frame this as a big, a big Biden win. I mean, if it's resolved peacefully, um, well, actually, personally, it's a little bit of a reach, but <laughs> it's not beyond. I mean, they're behind him so far, right? I mean, they're like, yeah, you really got the Europeans together. And I've been complaining. That's not enough. No, you, okay, great. You got Putin in a corner. Now you got to give him a way out. We failed to do that. He invaded Ukraine, but they're not going to admit they were wrong. So they can't admit Biden was wrong. It's, it's one of the things that reading about this is, has a troubling thought that it's a, uh, provoked is, well, first, a lot a lot of it started with Bill Clinton. It was continued with Obama. NATO expansion so start, yes, yeah. with Bill Clinton. So it's, it's, uh, so it's it, the, 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 the people who I sort of thought were, were good sort of made bad mistakes. Uh, it also calls into question the whole, uh, the whole war in Serbia. I mean, I was friends with journalists and, and the, you know, the, some of them resisted this, but, but by the end, the almost universal thought among journalists was we have to publicize the Serb uh, atrocities so then NATO will bomb them and end the war, which is in fact what happened. And it looked like a, a, a you know 100% victory at the time. But if it's an ongoing Russian grievance that we didn't include them and that we ignored their allies and lied to them, uh, that, that has flowered now with this aggression, maybe... We should have just let the Serbs and and the uh, you know the Sarajevo people fight it out and you well, know wasn't two any of our business. There's 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 two interventions. There's the intervention against the Bosnian Serbs I'm, in I'm Bosnia. Talking, I'm talking about the more palatable one, which is the first one. The the oh well, see, the, I don't the, think the intervention against the Bosnian Serbs in Bosnia. Yeah, well, I don't think that's a big issue with Russia. Remember, that was approved by the Security Council. They could have vetoed it. Russia could have vetoed that. It had. Uh, uh, the, the Security Council authorization. The one that drives them crazy is 1999 in Serbia, uh, in Kosovo specifically, which was part of Serbia because it did not have UN authorization. It was NATO uh, freelancing. It was a violation of, of international law by standard reckoning. It's a big grievance of theirs. I mean, Ser Ser Serbia was like a friend of theirs. And and uh, and also is an illustration of the kind of thing NATO might feel free to do. And 
When you hear people say, this would be the first time since World War II that borders have been changed by force, wrong. We, we hold that honor. 1999, Kosovo, we intervened. We got the border changed. It was illegal. And believe me, Vladimir Putin knows that. It is a was huge it border change because I thought I thought the outcome was that the Serbs and the and the Albanians sort of live side by side separately uncomfortably. No, Kosovo is now recognized, I believe, by over a hundred countries, including us, I believe, as an independent country. The border there where there had not been a border, there was one, just like if you cut Ukraine in half okay. now. Very similar. Um I'm sorry, uh, but it just, I, I, you know. If he uh, was if he was just cutting Ukraine in half, this would be less than half the story no. that it and is. And folks, wait, I got to do the disclaimer. Okay. Folks, I'm not justifying what he did. It's because whenever anyone does this, it drives me crazy that I'm driven crazy. And yes, it especially drives me crazy maybe when my country does it, maybe. But that's my right, right? It's like my government's policy I have a right to focus on changing and being outraged by if I want. So. Was it wasn't the I, I, we shouldn't spend all our time on Serbia, but it seemed to me the whole the whole purpose of the exercise was to get rid of Milosevic. Not it really didn't have anything to do with Kosovo. The idea was that you know we wanted him to sign these accords that were incredibly onerous, and when he didn't, you know, it would have allowed NATO troops to roam his country, and nobody's going to agree to that. And when he didn't agree, we decided to bomb him. What the um, hell? Uh, and get rid of him. And Kosovo was sort of a part of that. And it worked until now when there's a new Milosevic who's doing exactly the same thing. And they're about to restart the whole war all over again. I forget the exact sequence. Um, you know, uh, it was a classic thing. The, uh, the Serbs were doing some bad stuff in Kosovo. I'm sure they were doing some ethnic cleansing. Uh, at the same time, the Kosovo Liberation Army wasn't a bunch of Mother Teresas, you know. Uh, but as usual... Uh, the media coverage wasn't symmetrical. In the first war, there were horrendous massacres and... Oh, well, Bosnia, yeah. Genocide. I mean, that's the one that I supported and that had Security Council authorization. That was, uh, you know, that was true wanton slaughter. I mean, they, they, they took, I think, thousands of males and executed them. Um, yes, they did. Um, so... Um, Anyway, are we through with Ukraine? It's impossible. Um, Hard to believe. I'm just trying to think if I... Uh, I don't think there's much else. I want to say, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it's a pivotal... Uh, I will say it's sure hard to get work done during one of these things. It's, it's, uh, although, Turn off the TV. Yeah, but you know, the I mean, the TV is not is the least of it because there's there's rarely any interesting news on actual TV. I mean, I I even found out how to get the most up to date. It's, uh, it's reliable not that news. easy. I I think it would probably consist of creating a special Twitter list. Uh, somebody, somebody sent me a Twitter feed of something that that aggregates tweets from Ukraine. Send it to me. Something like that would be the best. The New York Times is no good. It, it, it's it's a it's a little behind, and b it's this jumble of stuff that you can't really make heads or tails of. And the, t you know, the TV, at least they're right there. So if there's a bomb explosion, they'll report it to you, but they spend too much time on, on you know, not reporting what's happening on the war and reporting yeah. on the reaction of the Ukrainian community in Chicago. Well, and too much time on the, on the bomb explosions. Like if they can get footage of a correspondent talking while a bomb goes on, okay, that's the story. That's, that's great TV. Sure. The correspondents I've seen have been pretty much on the ball and they've given you the, told you what you wanted to know. Like the guy who said, Putin wants to end this fast. That was useful. I didn't realize that. Okay. And yeah. Uh, so anyway. B um, B B BBC is not bad if you're going to do, you know, streaming media. Um, the other weird thing is that they, the whole ecology of that has changed because apparently these people are like, they're on camera like half half of their waking hours. It's not like they they don't do just one slot for the evening news. You know, they're on for like for like the daily for the daytime broadcast. They're on for like the crap that they show on cable systems, like the one that I have, is like a twenty four hour raw feed of just everything they happen to slap up. Uh, it's it's it, it's anyway. So you find out more from the correspondence than just the the top line three sentences. Yeah, and that's good. But anyway. I'll send you that link. We have at least two more things to talk about.
I, I can think of, I bet I can guess what they are. One of them surely is Judge Jackson. Right. And um, what's her I name? Would've... Who is she? Is she the one from Carolina? Is she the one? No. No. There are three candidates. One is the one from Carolina who was, I think, tarred as sort of a corporate type who, mm. came, who Clyburn wanted. The other is the half Jewish one from California who was incredibly appealing to people like me. Uh, because she was, you know, she had a, she had a pretty good resume working in the Office of Legal Counsel, which is incredibly prestigious. Uh, you know, she seemed to her ten, she had a tenure as a appellate judge on the California Supreme Court that seemed to be okay, uh, and she she had glowing reviews all around. And then there's this other woman whose whose background is more of a you know she went to Harvard, did all work for Breyer, did all the one who he's nominated, Jack Judge Jackson, but but her background is as a criminal defense uh, lawyer. And that's fine. There's no criminal defense lawyers on the court. But at the moment, I would rather have somebody who uh, didn't have that perspective. But, uh, you know, it's only one vote. It's not the decisive vote. It's not the end of the world. So, so she, this uh, is the Breyer clerk. I think they were both Breyer. Yeah, the, the other one was the Stevens clerk, I think. Yeah, Or maybe not a clerk at all. So does this suggest there was a deal when Breyer resigned? This certainly adds ammo to that, yeah. Well, yeah. if that's what it took, I applaud it. Uh, so um, so, we, his, so what his, about... His, his praise for her just is not, uh, did not seem wildly effusive. <laughs> Biden's, Biden's or Breyer's? Breyer's. Well, she has a different perspective and that's useful. <laughs> like, not... It's not what they said about Eugene Volokh, which is, you know, a brilliant man like this comes along once in a generation. <laughs> speaking that's of, a of view. Speaking of would-be Supreme Court justices, what's the deal with Lawrence Tribe? I mean, he finally deleted his tweet, but he was like accusing. I mean, maybe it was Tucker Carlson. I suppose if you got to accuse somebody of treason, it might as well be him. But it's still just nutty shit, like because people seem to express uh, sympathy for Putin's point of view or something, it's fucking treason. First of all, we're not even in this war, okay? I mean, it was crazy. Tribe, tribe, I don't know what happened to him. You know, he- I've, he, I've, I've hurled around charges of treason baselessly myself, so I have some sympathy. He, he, he uh, my line is, I, I don't know. He's always been bad at politics, always had been ham-handed at politics, sure on the law, bad at politics. And Twitter sort of liberated him in a, in a field where he doesn't know how to proceed. And he also is trying for attention and trying to like always, he always used to want to be on the Supreme Court. So he would try to, of course, suck up to the right Democrats. He's beyond that now. So I don't quite know why he's doing what now, he's the, doing. The, re the resistance turned him into a Twitter monster. It, it just got really weird from- I told you, I got into one interaction with him where I, you know, I misstated the law and he wrote me, a, he wrote back to me. He was very rational and not, didn't accuse me of being a traitor, just calmly pointed out where I'd misstated the law. So, you know, the good Larry tribe is in there somewhere. Still. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, anyway, the other thing to talk about, well, I, I, so I, don't, I, assume, I assume A, she'll be confirmed, and B, if the Republicans are smart, they'll spend as little energy and, you know, uh, you know media time, FaceTime as possible uh, fighting her. Just do what you have to do, vote the way you want to vote, and you'll lose and she'll be on the court. And, you know, it won't change anything. So why not? Uh, uh, the, um, the other thing is Trudeau. Uh, uh, Trudeau, you know, he, he, he responded to the protest where the truckers blocked streets in Ottawa, which doesn't seem all that outlandish and violent. I mean, yes, they, they blocked the border bridges, but, by the, but, but then they, they were cleared pretty rapidly. And... Uh, and after that, after they declared, he he decides, well, I'm going to declare do this unprecedented step of declaring a state of emergency, which gave him the power to freeze individual bank accounts without any due process. Just he says, you know, freeze Bob Wright's bank account, boom, you're out of business, you can't spend any money. Um, and, and those are like unprecedented powers, and everybody dawned on everybody, it's it's a lot easier to be a fascist if you don't actually have to go out and like arrest the truckers and move their trucks. You can just sit on your couch and like freeze their bank accounts. Um, uh, couch potato fascism, I called it. That's a good term. Pretty good. Uh, not that good. But anyway, 
There's a better term, but I didn't come up with it. Anyway, uh, then all of a sudden, what's the better term? Wait, there's a better term than couch potato fascism, and you're not going to mention it. But somebody else will think so. Just not invented here, so you're not even going to mention it. I don't know it. Somebody else will come up with a better term. There must be a better. Uh, It's very Chinese. It's very Chinese. Is the other thing? It's very similar. It's it's like social credit. Uh, There's slacker fascism. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's not bad. Uh, we can do better. Lazy fascism. We'll do better in the parrot room. We'll do better. Yeah. Um, pajama fascism. Pajama fascism. I think it would have to be pajama basement. Isn't that the standard image of the blogger, pajama guy with the pajamas? Well, the, the it's basement? too. The, the standard thing is pajama. You don't have to get dressed to be a fascist. You pajama just, basement. <laughs> pajama basement fascism has a, ri- a kind of rhythm to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that, the basement, but we can talk about it. Um, okay. Anyway, all of a sudden, like two days ago, he reverses field and says. After saying, well, we're going to need this state of emergency. They might come back. You know, you never know. And, and their justice minister, their, their minister said horrible things like, if you're sympathetic to Trump, you better watch out. You know, well, that's not a crime. The justice or, minister said that? Yeah, he said, if you're involved in the protest, then it, you know, what does involved mean? Involved could mean, you know, uh, you know, you sent us, you sent an email to somebody saying where to go. I mean, it was, it was incredibly... Uh, Purposely overbroad. They were trying to scare people. But then after that, he suddenly drops it. He says, I'm revoking this state of emergency. I don't need it anymore. And why did he do that? Okay. There are like a couple of theories. One theory is uh, the polls were sinking for him. Another theory is he had trouble, was going to have trouble getting it through the Senate. The House, the Canadian House had approved it because he made a vote of no confidence. So if you voted against it, you were voting to bring down the government. Okay. So it passed. Because even the people in his party who had misgivings tended to vote for it, and but it was going to have trouble in the Senate where he got a lot of grief. Uh, so uh, there's a story he dropped it because it might have failed in the Senate. And the third thing is that the banking industry went berserk and said, "Are you insane? Nobody's ever going to bank in Canada again uh, because you have dictatorial powers to freeze their accounts." Uh, it's sort of similar to what we think might be happening to Putin that the. The, uh, you know, the, the, the big business corporate lobby business roundtable gets together and tells the politicians what to do as opposed to vice versa. Um, I don't know. Which, which, which could be a source of hope with Ukraine, by the way. But uh, the, it, the, was, uh, it was a source of hope in Canada, too. I mean, yeah. I don't think he, this state of emergency was bad. I mean, you, you didn't mention, and may, maybe this wouldn't be consequential, but uh, taking heat from the civil liberties lobby, which... No, that's that was what, part of it too. Okay, that's what I saw online was him taking heat from the Glenn Green. That was part of it. Yeah. And, if, and if, of course, what's the wackiest theory about Trudeau? Or this one of the wacky theories? What is one of the wacky theories? That he's Fidel Castro's son. <laughs> wait, wait, which seriously? Would connect the, which would connect the crackdowns in Cuba and the crackdowns in wait, Canada. Wait, who is his seriously. mother? Is his mother Maggie Trudeau? Yeah, and they had they had like a they were swingers and they had a uh, a swinging holiday in Havana with oh, their man. buddy Fidel. You should have saved this for the parrot room. That's a great. That's a uh, great. And if you look at pictures, it's not like it's not Frank Sinatra and Ronan Farrow, but it's uh, not that far off. Is there no resemblance to Pierre? I, that's what I would want to see. I want to see. A, I want to see it. I've seen a side by side of. Of uh, Justin and Fidel, but not Justin and Pierre. You know, they should use the morphing software to, you know, like they should just do do a merger of Maggie and Fidel, and then a merger of Maggie and Pierre, and then see which one looks more yeah. like the current and prime it, minister of Canada. And it's possible that the sites spreading the rumor have already used morphing software and have made Fidel look a lot more like Justin than he actually looked. Well, uh, this is definitely the best theory I've heard of, of why he froze the bank accounts. But it's those Fidel, <laughs> it's the authoritarian genes he got from Fidel. Exactly. It's, it's the good. Bernstein principle at its most extreme. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's, now, those are my um, the only other thing I can, of the day. The only other, I mean, we're about at an hour anyway, but the only other thing I can think of is, uh, is it the case that in, uh, in both the Arbery case and the George Floyd case, uh, there were convictions on the civil on the federal civil rights charges this week. In other I words, so. so that happened to happen both to both of this week. 
and, yeah. and had the uh, and had they're sort the, of bounce. They're sort of bouncing the rubble in the Arbery case. I mean, those guys are never going to yeah, get out. Okay, but but what about the George Floyd case? So this included uh, the now I've forgotten the main detective's name, but the, uh, the this included the two other cops that were with him when he was kneeling on George Floyd's neck. And had they already been convicted in regular criminal court? Don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm skeptical of that. I, I you know, uh, there is a chain of command in, in police land as in the military. And if your commander orders you to do something that's clearly a violation of law, you're not supposed to do it. But uh it's pretty extreme circumstances under which you're supposed to assault your commander, which is kind of what you'd be doing if you if you got physical about this. I mean, one of the guys said he, he raised questions, right? He said, you you sure about this? Why don't you know, why don't you, you know, the guy was raising questions. Yeah. And 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 remember, what was the damn guy's name? I can't believe uh the detective's name. Anyway, he had been their trainer. Right. Hadn't at least one of them just gotten through being trained as a cop, gone through this, you know, this training period. And 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 the detective had been their their guy. So he was in in just, uh, you know. They were they were young and new and he was the boss, their boss in the most thoroughgoing sense. And I don't know, but I, I agree. Well, it wouldn't be the only time that. You know, a, a federal prosecution in a case like this uh, went overboard, uh, and they have an appeal, so maybe they'll win the appeal. Was it, it was it Shavin? What's his name? C H A V I N? No, it's he was the like main that. one. He's the guy that that's the name. Of. That's a, that's the name I couldn't think of. So he was their boss, yeah. and he had trained them, uh, and and they were convicted for not, uh, you know. Staging a mutiny. I mean, I wish they had. Would have been great. But, uh, but you know, they probably would have gotten in trouble because then George Floyd wouldn't have died. You know, it's like, uh, it wouldn't be like you saved a man's life. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, pushing your commander around when he's uh, right. trying to arrest somebody. But anyway. Um, uh, do you sense that this is a subject about which I know nothing and have nothing to contribute? Well, as you can tell, you I, know, I know nothing. It's it's C H A U V I N I think. See, I I I obviously, the, the, I, I it's been all all Ukraine all the time for me. I have not, uh, I have not uh, focused on anything else. So that's as good a reason as any to end this conversation now. Um, what do we have for the Parrot Room at Patreon.com/slash Parrot Room, Mickey? There there are a bunch of uh, interesting things. Uh, one is. Uh, uh, well, there's there's a, a couple of Epstein things. It's why is everybody beating up on this journalist Vicky Ward? Well, an Epstein uh, associate committed suicide this week, right? I in guess prison. that's right. Yes, in, yes. in prison, this French guy. Yeah, so we didn't get we didn't talk about that last week. Yes, it's like we will talk about that. They're dropping like flies, and why? Um, I even think maybe the security cameras went dead again. Isn't that funny? It's not clear there was a security camera. Oh, okay. But we'll get into that. Um, the uh, there was a actually a, a very interesting article, but um, in the Daily Caller by Jim Pickerton, former Bush aide, uh, who uh, says there are three choices for mankind: go uh, inward with the metaverse, go outward with go to Mars, and stay the same and try to live here in meat space. Those are our three spaces, Mars, Meta, or me. And uh, I have some views on that. Maybe you do too. That's great. Jim has uh, always had uh, this kind of sci-fi side. No kidding. Um, and uh, But you do too, man. You have, don't you have, in non-zero, don't we, don't we populate other planets? Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but it is after he read Non-Zero that he invited me to speak at the, the New America Foundation back in the day. Um, um, there's uh, a puffer on Dean Becquet in New Yorker, mm. uh, which has a couple mm. of interesting aspects. Uh, he is the editor of the uh, New York Times. New York Times. There is this interesting essay on uh, that Ross Douthat uh, took up, which is 
instead of casting it as a straight meritocratic divide between credentialed elites and uncredentialed deplorables, it's virtuals versus reals, people who yeah. work on the screen in abstract and people who work with their hands in meat space. And uh, we, we can talk about whether that adds anything to the discussion or not. That's a good, something. But definitely, anyway. definitely worth a column, which you got out of it. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely based worth on one, a, one column and one parrot room conversation at a minimum. It, but it's based on a Substack, which went on and on forever. But yes, a Substack by the same guy who wrote the essay about wokeness not being dead and never being dead. Same, obviously, a very smart guy who knows how to how to come up with. Uh, oh, is, does he go by initials? Topic. He goes by NS initials. Lions, yes, and yeah, Lions, Lions, I think. So. Yeah. Um, uh, by. Uh, Apropos of that, Tyler Cowen predicted the end of wokeism. I don't believe him. No. Uh, New York Times has weird ads about J.K. Rowling. Uh, and uh, I guess we can talk about the virus if you want. Uh, we um, don't have to, but uh, I don't know. It's feeling freer and freer. It's feeling like, I mean, I, I, the big question is, will this, will this new variant be trouble, and in any event, let's you know, carpe diem. Um, um, uh, does honk the, honk by the convoys mean Heil Hitler? And will there be convoys in America that have the same impact as in Canada? We don't know. I think I do know, but uh, Heil Heil convoys. A uh, bunch of people who died. You, the usual assortment of grievances and resentments that we've harbored for years. Or did, more did somebody die who you re, who you resent? No, unless I. That's an unusual week then. Unless I really resented the uh, singer Procol Harum. Oh I yeah, don't. I like wider like shade Procol of lighter, What is it? Is it wider shade of pale? Yes, that's a great um, song, don't you think? It is a good song. Um, uh, and uh, we have Louis C.K. Guess where Louis C.K. is now. I think we're bordering on overpromising, Mickey, because we haven't even gotten to my stuff. Okay, well, the, my final one is is Louis C.K. and what does it take to get rehabilitated? In the, to get uncanceled, yeah. And you know what the answer is? Uh, quit masturbating in front of women who don't no, want to watch you do it. That that's not <clears throat> the answer, Bob. No. No, but okay, we'll talk about that. Okay. Because that's what worked for me, I'll tell you. It's uh, the okay. Now I am gonna. Well, some things on my wish list. This started off with me in deep reverence, and you've plunged it once again into the gutter. Gurus keep their uh, no. worshippers off balance. Worshipper isn't the term. What is the term for uh, followers? I don't know. Uh, yeah, followers. Um. Okay. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, is Putin crazy uh, in light of this uh, uh, conversation I taped with a guy who hasn't come out yet, who a politician who focuses on the role of status considerations in international relations, a political scientist. Uh, and um, the uh, I want to talk about. Uh, Douglas MacArthur is a role model as, as a guy we should have listened to before we expanded NATO. Not that he had views on that per se, but, uh, you know, I just finished finally this uh, trilogy on the war in the Pacific. And by the way, I also want to mention, you have no idea what a fucking shit show the dropping of the second atomic bomb was. Uh, uh, that's just a weird, that's just a weird, I mean, we all know the horrible, uh, consequences, but, uh, the run-up was pretty weird. Um, talk about that. Uh, um, I, I'm ready to talk a little bit more about the, the show, The Expanse. I think I may have gotten to the part that you said is the last part that's worth watching. Um, yeah, oh. I want to, the part where I stopped, there may be good stuff after it, but. I want you to tell me if I was wrong to get pissed off at a guy on Twitter. I'll read you this, the exchange. He's, you know, he's like a, he's somebody I've had on my show. Uh, he wasn't a rando. I was pissed. 
Um, and he, he disrespected the Bob? He disrespected the Bob. We don't like that. No, that's the, that's a good example of status considerations to, playing a role. To program us to attack Bob, and we, your followers, will do your bidding. Thank you. Uh, so I guess that's uh, that's about it. And uh, so the place to hear more than fifty percent of that, and 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 I would say possibly as much as 95% of it is uh, the Parrot Room, patreon.com slash Parrot Room. Also, Mickey, people should smash the like button. They should rate rate and review The Right Show, which is, however, ironically, the current name of this podcast. Although sometimes in the Parrot Room, we discuss ways to create a forked version of it, as they say in Android land. Um, the, uh, what else? Your newsletter, Cal's Files. Uh, I actually wrote one last week. There you go. I, it was it does, shocking. So it does happen. Um, I think I get more re- more subscribers when I don't write because they say maybe if I subscribe, he won't write again. Well, th- this is the paradox <laughs> like, of newsletters is, is like the time you lose subscribers is when you actually produce a newsletter because you send it out and inevitably some people get it. The first thing that happens, some people get it and go screw this shit and cancel. You hope right. to compensate for that. I got a good break on that front this week. Um, um, well, you can tell us later. It's Or never, as you would prefer. Um, the uh, As long as it wasn't Ezra Klein doing favors for you again. It wasn't Ezra. It was the second God among men. Um, okay, the, who was it? Tell me. No, that's, that's Parrot Room. I thought I was the second God. You mean I'm number three at best? Uh, That's bad. Yeah. I would I would emphasize the best part. Yes, you are. You can't be both a, one of my followers and a god among men. That, that would get too paradoxical. Um, and also Twitter handles, Kaus Mickey, Robert Ryder. You got to do this kind of promotion, Mickey. Did you I, laugh. You laugh. Um, but, Okay. okay, so let, let's have the pair uh, ushers into the room. Bobism forever. Huh. Uh-oh. We love you, Bob. Uh, should, I, did, should, I, should I relight the votive candles to give it organic unity? Uh, I, I think we can hold off on, on that for now. You've been a good enough follower as it is. We'll see Not you. Not easy. Uh, I'm a very demanding guru. We'll, we'll see you in the uh, pair room. Yeah. All right. All happening.